Registration is now open for Skyhawks Sport Academy Summer Camps. Join them for an action-packed, fun-filled summer of youth sports camps at a location near you. Choose between soccer, flag, football, fueled by USA Football, golf, baseball, cheerleading, multi-sports camps, mini-hawk camps, and more. Find program information and register today at www.skyhawks.com. Time to welcome in Ryan Abraham, owner and publisher of uscfootball.com. Ryan, welcome back to the show. Thanks for uh, having me on. It's uh, kind of a shame to wrap up uh, spring football, but it was nice to get a little bit of normalcy and uh, looking forward to what's going to happen this fall. And that is exactly what you fans are wondering. What is going to happen this fall? Is SC got a good recruiting class under its belt and all the uh, speculation about all the coaches is dying down? They're going to be able to focus on football and put together one of those legendary SC seasons or everything's unstable, the door's open, it's just up to Utah or ASU or UCLA or whoever to walk through it? I think the short answer is yes to all of that. But <laughs> I think there's a, they've done some good things in the offseason. I think bringing in Mike Bone, they've you know, realized some of the shortcomings uh, within the athletic department, especially the football team. They've bolstered the recruiting staff. They've made sure that Clay Helton brought in competent assistant coaches, not just familiar faces that they, he'd worked with before. So I think everything around Clay Helton has been upgraded, and we saw uh, you know the spring football the last you know five weeks. It was a lot more physical than anything we had seen before. Uh, the roster is still pretty good. They lost seven guys from the team last year. You know, five got drafted and two signed as undrafted free agents. You know, so certainly losing some production, but there was it's a lot deeper of a spring roster than we've seen in a while, and the schedule's not that difficult. So everything's set up for like that legendary kind of run uh, that they made, you know, like in, after the 2016 season going to the Rose Bowl, that potentially could happen. But you also still have, you know, Clay Helton's running the show and there's a lot of uncertainty, you know, just around that. Is there going to be those, you know, classic USC just let down games where they lose games that they shouldn't. Uh, but the schedule in 2021 looks so much easier than the original 2021. There's no Alabama. Uh, you don't have Oregon. You don't have Washington. So, it's set up well for them to make some kind of run. Will they? That's a great question. Okay, so with spring ball being done, you can choose one Drake. Are you re- uh, re- uh, choosing defensive star Drake Jackson, offensive receiver star Drake London, or Drake the rapper? <laughs> well, for me, if it's personal, like, yeah, I'd like to have Drake the rapper have some concerts in my driveway or something. That'd be great. But I... <laughs> That's a tough one. I mean, those are the two guys, if you're looking at, that they were absolute studs and stars on both sides of the ball. And they've typically had a, a deeper receiver group than I think they have this year. There's a lot of unproven talent. So I'm going to go with Drake London. He's been you know, just a stud uh, out there. For Drake Jackson, I mean, he's amazing too. But they do have Corey Foreman coming in, the number one player who played with him in high school. Could sort of be the Drake Jackson replacement. I don't see the Drake London replacement right yet. So I'll go with Drake London. So watching a little bit of that uh, uh, spring game, I'm curious what you think of the battle for the backup quarterback slot. Obviously, we got a local guy here from Utah involved in this. I mean, Slovis is the guy, but if he goes down, does the whole season go up in smoke, or is there a chance that they could? St- they got enough talent. They got somebody who can step in and take over. Yeah, I I would lean towards the, the going up at smoke side, but they, they had a veteran. Well, they had a couple of veterans. Uh, Matt Fink had the ability to return. He decided to 
retire. You remember he had a good game against Utah in uh, 2019 when Slovis went down. So he's uh, moving on. I think he's still at USC getting his master's. And then they brought in Mo Hassan, who was put on scholarship last year, too. He was a transfer from Vanderbilt, actually won a game in the SEC. So there's some experience there, but he blew out his knee in that spring game. Uh, he looked actually pretty good. So now you're down to two true freshmen backup quarterbacks. You mentioned Jackson Dart, who's just been – he's the fan favorite for sure. Everyone loves his athleticism. He's got a great arm. Um, there just seems to be a lot of upside there. And it goes to show, I mean, he just wasn't on as many people's radar until uh, fall football happened for high school. Miller Moss didn't get the chance to play his senior year, so he didn't have that opportunity. But Jackson Dart took it, ran with it, and he has just been on a meteoric rise. Like, people love him around USC. So I think he's probably the fan favorite to be the backup. But I've, the practices I watched, it sort of went back and forth depending on the – on the day, I think, you know, we saw some upside from Dart. I, I think that, you know, we've, we've seen true freshmen come into this offense and do well. Um, we've seen guys come off the bench and do well. So I wouldn't, you know, because the schedule is not the most daunting, I think that they would have some success. But to, to make a run at, like, you know, winning the Pac-12 in the playoff, I think you're going to need Slovis to do that. But the, the local guy for you guys, Jackson Dart, he's definitely been a favorite, and he's looked good uh, from when I've seen him out there. So, interestingly, they get – what, three transfers from Texas, where Sarkeesian was, he used to be, where he is, and obviously he used to be at SC, and uh, I think that the tight end kid's going to play, and then also the running back, uh, Keontae Ingram. Now, they've got Carr and the other guy coming back, too, but uh, Keontae Ingram, is he going to vault to the top, and how good is he? Yeah, I mean it's it's really interesting. They you know they just picked up their third uh, Texas transfer this off season, um, which is crazy. They you know they brought in the, the safety Damian Alford. Uh, you know they bring in Malcolm Epps, uh, the tight end you mentioned yesterday. He might be more of a receiver, but the guy that stood out to me was Keontae Ingram. He ran more of like a spread air rated kind of stuff uh, in high school, and then didn't really get to do that at Texas. Had some great moments there that had some fumble issues but he's come in and just brought a whole different vibe i think to the the running back room that's been a little stale just because it's been the same guys over and over marquis step was a fan favorite he ends up transferring out and goes to nebraska he gets hurt he's out again he's just someone that's been hard to keep on the field i like Stephen carr's look pretty good the vimalpei is like a you know just a steady guy there but ingram comes in and brings something different to the table he can catch the ball in the backfield he's he had a 49-yard scamper after catching the ball in the, the spring game. And just when you, if you just didn't know anyone's numbers and you just watched some practices, you'd like, that guy looks like the starter. And that's what he did to me. So I don't know if that's you know any indication of what they were doing in the running back room before, but he's come in and definitely uh, provided a spark. I wouldn't be surprised if he's you know one of the you know top two, you know one or two guys or whatever in that running back rotation. He's just coming from outside and, and that's the Texas connection with all the, the coaches that USC has from the state of Texas. You know, they, they get a guy like that that looks like he could be the starter. Ryan Abraham, USCfootball.com joining us. I, I'm just curious that, you know, the, the, when you throw the ball the way SC does with the whole air raid influence and all that, the skill players are going to get all the run anyway. They're going to get even more run in this. But there just seems to be plenty of stories written that – USC isn't good enough in the trenches, and they can be bullied and can be pushed around. Do you believe that? Yeah, I think that's the big. That was the big concern uh, last year. I mean, they didn't. They ran, They passed the ball very well. They did not run the ball well. There, like the, if you look at some of the advanced stats, the stuff rate. You know, where in the you know the first four yards they usually attribute to 
the offensive line, all those stats. USC was like some, one of the worst in the country, the short yard situation stuff, where you really just need to, you know, you're going to run and just need to bully somebody. And, you know, fans want you to be under center or eye formation. Like, you don't have to do that. You can still run these spread concepts and push people around up front. And USC hasn't been able to do that. And maybe the biggest concerning thing is USC's had a first-round draft pick from the offensive line the last two seasons in a row and still has had uh, you know troubles running the football. They've got a deep offensive line room. I think there's 19 guys on scholarship, and they're probably still looking to bring in a, a transfer, maybe a ready-made left tackle that they can get from somewhere else. But it's, it's definitely a concern. They've mixed and matched a, a little bit. And, they, you know, they got four starters basically back uh, from last year. But it just hasn't seemed to, to get, you know, everything get put together. And then they brought in a, a more of a spread guy and uh, Clay McGuire, who's, you know, worked under the Mike Leach system and is familiar with the air raid. So I think that's probably two years overdue that you had a spread offensive line coach with your spread offense. But they're doing that now. And we'll see what, the, you know, what kind of fruit that, that bears. But I think he's got some good tape to watch all of these young guys and see – where they fit and then in the fall kind of put people in place and, and pick the five best guys. But yeah, it's, to me, that would be the biggest concern. I mean, if they got plenty of skill talent, you got Keen Slovis, who's, you know, already a 2022 draft high projection guy, but they need to be able to block some people from you can, you can run the spread offense and have guys open and throw in complete passes and stuff. But if you really want to be successful, you're going to have to run the ball when people know you're going to run the ball. And they just haven't been able to do that the last few years. Okay, and so you can argue that the spring game was a little bit of good news, bad news, and the offensive line being more of the bad news. But the good news in the trenches, the defensive line, we already mentioned J- Drake Jackson. You spoke about Corey Foreman, who I believe is considered the nation's number one prospect, kind of a Thibodeau kid that we see at Oregon who will be a high draft choice this season. I'm hoping he actually actually opts out and prepares himself for the draft. No need to play for the Ducks this year, but that's my own personal <laughs> bias. And then I throw in guys like Tui Pelotu and uh, what's a Sikona and, and Lichtenstein. It looks like they're pretty well loaded up front defensively, though. Yeah, the, I like the defensive line. They brought in Vic Sooto, um last year, and he was a younger, a less experienced assistant coach. I think only three years. Uh, working under Bronco Mendenhall, who he played for, and just he looks like he could play right now. He, I mean, I, I don't think anyone on the team could beat him up. I mean, he's huge. He's always wearing like, uh, you know, tank tops and screaming sack, sack, sack. I mean, he brings so much energy, and it's just you're like you like that kind of coach, but then can he really develop these guys? But these, the, all the young guys look better. You mentioned Tuli Tuipalotu, his brother just got drafted. Yeah. Uh, coming in, and he's just been an absolute beast out there. Someone was like a three-star guy coming in. They're like, oh, yeah, his brother's playing at USC. Man, uh, he's been great. And Jay Toy is another one, a freshman coming in. And when you see some of these young guys really you know, impressing, um, I think you have to attribute that to, I mean, you know, pretty good recruiting, but also the, the development they're getting and how the, you know, just he, he's getting these guys to gel together. So I think Vic Soto's done a nice job. And you got a guy like Caleb Tremblay, who's a redshirt senior, you know, transferring out of the program going to, to Tennessee. He probably would have played, but wasn't getting as much run as some of the young guys. I think that's a you know pretty good you kinda of attribute that to, man, you gotta you gotta bring it just because you're senior doesn't mean you're gonna play. So I think they, they're in a good direction with the with the defensive line. And like you said, you know, Corey Foreman coming in is certainly gonna help. But I, I like the way they've developed that. I think they've done a much better job developing those young defensive linemen than they have uh, the offensive line the last couple of years. 
Ryan Abraham, USCfootball.com, joining us. So I don't want to overstate this. You know, USC has rivalries with Notre Dame and UCLA. But there's seven games on the home schedule. Utah visits on October 9th. BYU visits on November 27th. Given past results, USC losing in Pro Bowl a couple of years ago and several losses to Utah up, up, uh, up here, is there any juice for those games? How, how do USC fans look at those games? Yeah, I mean, I think less so for the BYU game. I mean, they were pretty upset uh, to, to lose that game going on the road. But, I mean, the Utah one is somewhat – I think that's where USC fans circle at all the time. I mean, they, I think if they played BYU more, you would get a little bit more of that. I, don't, I mean, there'll be some kind of revenge factor or whatever. But the the Utah game, just because it's a, a divisional opponent, um, you've seen so many you know good games, and the home team is, has won a whole lot of those ones. Um, I think that's one that USC fans have, have circled. And, and Utah is one of the programs where you're like, oh, they, you know, lost quarterback, lost running back, lost a bunch of production. But you still know they're going to be great on the lines. There's, still, there's always going to be, you know, Kyle Whittingham is, uh, is just such a, such a great developer of talent. They always are able to kind of reload and do their kind of system and, and make it work and, and make it tough on teams. And I think USC fans uh, realize that. So you can say, oh, Arizona State's on the rise or UCLA looks better. But, you know, I think USC fans, know that if you're going to win the South, it's got to go through uh, Utah and, you know, winning the division for two years in a row. Uh, I think that got a lot of Trojan fans' attention. So, I, yeah, I think that's the one, if you're going to talk about a Pac-12 South game, it's UCLA because of the, the rivalry and stuff. But the Utah one, I think, is the one they always look forward to because they you know, they know it's, it's really important as far as trying to win the Pac-12. So you talked about not having a receiver depth. We already talked about one receiver. How about Brew McCoy? Is he ready for a breakout? He is. You know, I think, uh, you know, coming back, transferring, you know, uh, into the program last year, we got to see him some. Um, you know, he missed some time for COVID stuff early in, in the spring. But I think he's pencil, penciled in as, like, the, the number two uh, guy right now. I mean, they got a lot of of young receivers and, you know, the, the majority of that room are freshmen or, or redshirt freshmen. And you might see a guy like Kyle Ford, uh, who's coming off to, you know, his second ACL should be ready for the fall. I think he, you know, he's a former five-star guy like Brew McCoy. I think both those guys have the potential, but we've seen a lot more of, of Brew McCoy and, you know, he had a touchdown catch in the, uh, in the spring game. He's looked good. Katie Nixon's sort of the um, X factor. I mean, you've seen him at Colorado. He just transfers to USC. He's been out there, but it's not been super consistent. I, I just want to see what he's able to do. But he's like the lone senior. Everyone else is freshmen and sophomores uh, in that room. And they just had Manier McLean uh, transfer out of the program. So one less body there. But it's uh, they've got some good guys. It's just which one is going to step up. They've Over the last few years, there's just been established players like the, the Tyler Vaughns and Amon Ross St. Browns. You guys have been around and you know what their their role is. I think there's a lot of guys who are just not sure what their role is going to be. Brew McCoy is one of them. But I would guess after Drake London, he's probably going to be the, the number two guy for Keaton Slovis. So we already mentioned Corey Foreman, who's expected to hit the ground running on the outside and just get to the quarterback all, often. And we'll see if he usually those types of players live up to their hype. So I'm expecting him to be really good, but sort of a two-parter question here is that I see in my reading and research, and I've started it on the Pac-12, particularly the South teams, because obviously that's where Utah is, that in recruiting they got, what, 14 guys that are either four or five star. And we heard just a couple years ago, man, they sucked in recruiting. So how'd they pull that off? And then 
which of these guys outside of Foreman do you think would have an immediate impact? Yeah, they uh, they they went from I think 64th uh, in the in the country in their national ranking for uh, recruiting, which is I mean for USC to to be out of the top 15 is like a it's crazy. I mean to be 64th is just we've never seen anything like that before. And they bump up, I end up finishing number seven in the composite rankings for 24/7. And I think a lot of it is like what we talked about at the top with you know bringing in Mike Bone, bringing in more support staff bringing in better assistant coaches that would, you know, recruit full-time instead of being part-time guys. So I think that's the big reason why you saw so many, uh, you know, so you saw that recruiting class turn around a lot. And I think you got to look at the freshman quarterbacks just because we haven't seen a quarterback from USC make it throughout the entire season. So Jackson Dart, Miller Moss, one of those guys are probably going to be important and end up playing. I like Brandon Campbell a lot. He's uh, from Katy, Texas, uh, running back. 5'10", about 190 pounds. He's looked good out there along with the transfer uh, Ingram. So, and, you know, we, they're they're pretty thin at cornerback. So a guy like Sierra Wright from Loyola High School in L.A., we haven't seen him yet. He hasn't enrolled yet, but, I mean, he's got the potential to come in and, uh, and, and make a splash. So I think there's some guys out there that, you know, have the potential to make a, a mark early. Um, some of them came in and enrolled early, so we got to see those guys, but, like we saw Campbell and we saw Dart and we saw Moss. And some of the guys I think you have to wait, you know, the summer when they come in. But they can get thin at spots. And if you if you know some of these true freshmen can contribute, I think they're gonna be able to trust them and get them in there. But it's it's definitely a much better recruiting class to to pick from that you can get some guys that uh, can make an impact much more so than the, that twenty twenty class. Well, Ryan, we will talk to you again as the season gets closer. And if the Trojans aren't 5-0 and when they host Utah on October 9th, then, uh, you know, we'll be asking about Clay Hilton's job, job status. Because obviously 4-1 <laughs> and one is unacceptable for the USC faithful. They're writing too big of checks. <laughs> You're right about that. Even 5-0, and oh, they'll probably be complaining. So that's uh, <laughs> probably it, true. That's the season, man. Until something big happens, if they make the playoff or something or, you know, whatever. Like, that's, that's pretty much my day, hearing about fans being upset with Clay Hilton. Ryan, we appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me on. You can check out Ryan's work. He's the owner and publisher of uscfootball.com.